So welcome to this edition of On The Pulse, in which CMS experts provide updates on key developments bringing innovation and disruption to the life sciences and healthcare sector. I'm your host, Nick Beckett. So hot on the heels of the CMS Global Digital Health Festival, we're now delving further into the area of telemedicine. I'm delighted to be joined by three of the CMS life sciences and healthcare specialists who regularly advise clients in this sector. We have Maria Gonzalez-Gordon from Spain. We have Rint Matheson from Germany, and we have Valentina Pavu from Romania. So welcome to all three of you. So telemedicine's huge market, obviously, with significant potential. Um, globally, it's expected to grow, I think, by close to 40 percent uh, to reach nearly 200 billion US dollars by 2025. And traditionally, it's been used in certain areas. So it's been used, for example, to improve glycemic control for diabetic patients or to reduce hospitalization of those with chronic heart failure or to help patients manage pain or health, nutrition, mental health, those sorts of things. But there have been some barriers um, to the take up of telemedicine in recent years. And the EC Commission put out a market study a couple of years ago and technology uh, and in particular inadequate IT infrastructure was noted to be one of the challenges and one of the barriers to a faster uptake. Now, obviously COVID has changed that significantly. We've had a much greater uptake. We've had a huge uh, acceptance, much greater acceptance, both on the part of patients and importantly, obviously on the part of uh, healthcare professionals and stakeholders. So I think the technological barrier has to some extent been overcome. But one of the other um, barriers that the European Commission noted was the uh, kind of unhelpful, unfavorable regulatory framework. And it's an area where, you know, obviously with huge fast technological development, it's another area where the law is kind of struggling to keep a pace. Uh, and um, we see, you know, in Europe particularly, I think, uh, a very fragmented regulatory framework uh, at this point and indeed globally. So CMS has put out a guide um, which has just been published looking at especially the regulation of digital health apps and telemedicine uh, in currently 22 jurisdictions and growing. Uh, looking at a number of issues like um, is software a medical device or uh, who might be liable if an app uh, goes wrong uh, in, in its functioning um, and importantly how telemedicine is regulated in each of these jurisdictions. So the first issue I want to, uh, to, to address is that I think you know looking at the guide I can see you know it's very clear telemedicine is obviously a very hot topic um, everywhere around the world and most countries seem to have embraced telemedicine and to some uh, even changed their laws and regulations in the context of COVID um, and the way they regulate telemedicine. But we definitely see different approaches in different countries. Um, for some, they're adopting a sort of telemedicine is just a medicine type approach. Uh, in China, for example, um, we've got a lot of um, very specific regulations and laws that have been released on telemedicine. So I think the first thing I'd like to to ask all three of you is really just to sort of um, say what the regulatory framework and situation is in uh, each of your jurisdictions. So maybe, uh, Maria, if we could kick off with you. Um, do you have express regulation on telemedicine in Spain? 
So actually, we don't. So Spain, Spain does not have an, a specific and express regulation on, on telemedicine. Basically, um, general legislation which is applicable to the uh, services that physicians and healthcare professionals can provide in person are also applicable when they are provided via telemedicine. And and as you said, uh, Nick, just a minute ago, uh, it is very, very fragmented here, the framework, because on top of that, further to the general legislation, uh, you should bear in mind that the health competence here in Spain are transferred to the autonomous communities. So that means that there is not a uniform legislation even for just in-person services. However, uh, we do have a Spanish code of medical ethics, which um, actually addresses the issue of telemedicine. Uh, but it says two things, basically. First one is that proper provision of medical services always implies personal and direct contact between doctor and patient. So that is an issue for telemedicine services right now. And secondly, it is uh, what it says it is ethically acceptable, but only in two cases. In the case of second opinions and in the case of medical checks, to use email or other means of non-presential uh, non, uh, communication and telemedicine, always provided that mutual identification is clear and that uh, privacy is secure. And uh, Rent, for, for Germany, is, is the situation somewhat similar to that? So it's somewhat similar. Um, until 2018, um, the exclusive treatment of patients uh, via telemedicine services was prohibited. Um, there is an exception to that, um, somewhat similar to Spain, and we'll come to that in more detail. But what has also changed is um, until 2019, um, advertising telemedicine services was also prohibited, which made sense because the service was prohibited. But now there's an exception to that as well. Um, and that is a very, very narrow exception, unfortunately. So um, we had a recent um, decision by the Higher Regional Court of Munich, um, which struck down a advertisement saying, we replace your doctor. Um, you don't need to go to a doctor anymore physically. Uh, and they said this was too broad because it doesn't meet um, generally accepted medical standards, professional standards. So the interplay between what is allowed um, as a telemedicine services and how can you advertise that, that's going to be a challenging in the future challenging issue in the future. And Valentina, what about for Romania? I think there may have been some, some recent developments there. Correct. Um, yeah, telemedicine in Romania was originally regulated in 2018 as a way to consult, diagnose, uh, treat, monitor patients in isolated places or in areas where there is a shortage of available medical staff. And although the regulation uh, exists since 2018, it has not been much used in practice. As expected, the rise of telemedicine in Romania was accelerated in the context of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, the Romanian government issued specific legal framework regulating telemedicine during the state of emergency and then during the state of alert. And uh, these specific measures targeted the provisions of remote medical consultation in order to limit the spread of uh, COVID-19 among the population. Um, very recently, uh, last month, the Romanian government amended the Healthcare Act by introducing a general legal framework for the practice of telemedicine applicable to anyone in Romania seeking remote medical services. And this new piece of legislation sets out the principles of, uh, of telemedicine in Romania. 
secondary implementing legislation, however, is expected to be issued at the beginning of the next year, and this will cover crucial aspects, um, including uh, the medical specialties and the list of services covered by telemedicine, the conditions for the organization and the operation of telemedicine, and um, the responsibility for, for establishing and verifying the quality of uh, telemedicine services. Uh, before ending, I, I would make uh, one more comment. Uh, what's very interesting uh, is that in July this year, the Romanian uh, parliament introduced a draft law on telemedicine that is still pending legislative approval. And uh, part of the provisions uh, comprising this draft law uh, were already included in the latest amendments to the Healthcare Act of November that we talked about. However, there are other provisions that uh, were not included in, in, in the latest amendment to the Healthcare Act. And we cannot confirm if such provisions will be comprised in the upcoming secondary legislation from the beginning of the next year, and, and therefore if this um, legislative endeavor will remain without object, or if on the contrary, uh, the law will uh, will eventually be passed and will, uh, will complement the existing uh, framework recently enacted. So I think just um, you know, listening to each of you, it's obvious that there are different um, approaches uh, followed in each of your jurisdictions in terms of the the legislation of telemedicine and I think you know one could assume that if you looked at the detail you'd see quite significant dif differences in the, the content of the regulation also. Um, I think maybe just trying to draw some of that out I think people would be interested in particularly what's allowed and what's prohibited within the context of telemedicine in your jurisdictions. Um, so for instance in China only uh, licensed medical institutions uh, can implement remote medical services and for the physicians, um, they can only provide telemedicine through platform technology platforms and communication channels that have been set up by those medical institutions and the, the practicing physicians need to have been practicing for a minimum of three years. So you've got in China some quite detailed sort of requirements already in place. Um, but let's, get, let's have a look at um, your jurisdiction. So maybe Maria, maybe we could start with Spain. Yeah, sure, uh, Nick. So basically, we do not have that kind of super detailed legislation that you have there in China. Actually, what we have here in Spain, it is the uh, Spanish Code of Medical Ethics that I was mentioning before. And um, it just starts from the um, simple premises, premise that uh, proper provision of medical services always have to imply personal and direct contact between doctors and patients. So. Basically, this uh, code declares that uh, telemedicine is, is only ethical, uh, ethically acceptable in case of second opinions and also in case of, of medical checks. Uh, and it also requires this mutual identification of both the patient and the doctor, uh, and it has to be very clear and privacy has to be always ensured. So basically, and as a conclusion, uh, any other sort of or type of medical services, even including uh, medical diagnosis, would be considered unethically and therefore could not be carried out by health care professionals in Spain, I'm afraid. Not right now, at least. And Remt, for, uh, for Germany, how's the situation there? As I mentioned, it was different as similar to what, what we see in Spain right now. It changed in 2018. So what we can have now is exclusive consultation via telemedicine services. Um, if it's medically justifiable, necessary me medical care is ensured. And if the patient knows what he's up to, so that this is all he gets, so to say. 
Um, and when this is in place, um, this also means that you can diagnose the patient um, as a healthcare professional purely by telemedicine services. Um, what is still up to debate right now, and it goes back and forth, especially under COVID circumstances, um, is when can you issue a valid certificate um, of capacity to work, um, which you can, as an employee, um, show to your employer. Um, but basically, all medical services um, are now um, open for telemedicine services. Um, a few exceptions are um, nuclear medicine specialists, um, not the most um, important field, but pathologists and radiologists um, are also not applicable to use these services. So it's opening um, and it's getting more speed due to COVID pandemic, um, but there's still a tight regulatory framework around. And Valentina, how about in Romania? Um, well, as we said, um, it is in the context of the COVID-19 outbreak that uh, telemedicine in Romania has enjoyed of effective regulation. If we are to refer to telemedicine applicable during the current state of alert, um, the issue regulations refer primarily to teleconsultation and to the fact that this can be provided both in the primary care system, that is by, by the family doctor, and in the outpatient units uh, and by any means of uh, communication at a distance. I would not say there are many notable restrictions, uh, except maybe for the one requiring that remote medical consultations are granted within a maximum number of eight consultations an hour. The lack of restrictions does not, however, mean that there aren't rules uh, that doctors need to abide by when providing uh, remote medical consultation. For example, the doctor must record um, a report on each patient uh, and such record must include a minimum required content offering information on the means of uh, communication use and the length of time of consultation. Of course, many other uh, requirements uh, apply. With the very recent enactment of, of November and the implementing guidelines uh, to be issued at the beginning of the next year, we expect to see further changes um, in the applicable rules to telemedicine. Very important, um, uh, this new legal framework will regulate not only teleconsultation, but all the other medical uh, services that can be provided through telemedicine, uh, including tele-expertise, telecare, tele-radiology, telepathology, telemonitoring. Um, that's it, yeah. So as as predicted, then we do see quite some differences in what's what's allowed, what's prohibited in each jurisdiction. Um, I think maybe somewhat obvious, but in with, with COVID, obviously there's going to have been an increase in the provision of telemedicine. Patients aren't obviously going to be uh, keen to go to hospitals or clinics. They're going to feel more comfortable having uh, diagnosis, their symptoms um, checked and treated remotely to the extent possible. So I guess has there been sort of relaxation? Um, I guess, Maria, you said you were saying, I mean, Spain has got quite a strict system then, but has it has it relaxed at all in, in the last year during COVID? Um, I'm afraid not that much, <laughs> Nick. Actually, um, there has been, uh, in fact, a, a, an increase in the number of telemedicine services due to the COVID-19 situation. And also there has been very interesting papers uh, prepared by professional bodies, both on the benefits and the risk of telemedicine. But I'm afraid that the basic principles, which I have been mentioning before, have not changed at least yet 
Uh, but for instance, in, in March, at the very beginning of the pandemic, uh, the Madrid Medical Association actually published a guidance document on the application of telemedicine uh, in very urgent cases like the current situation, but only as a complement to in-person medical examinations. So it, this document actually recalls the principles that I was uh, previously uh, explaining, uh, although it clarifies that in the in a scenario like we are living right now uh, with healthcare alerts uh, and always uh, in, in order to try to secure the best interests of the patients, it, it could be understood that the, uh, and always subject to technical precautions, uh, medical visits could be carried out via telematic means. But that is all on Madrid, not by now. And for Germany, Rent? There were several amendments um, in order to deal with the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Um, the most important one is not a directly medicine, telemedicine related um, exception is that now you can as an employee um, receive sick leave certificates um, per phone. Um, there was um, a no-go um, until recently, but um, now it's possible until end of the year and with the numbers still increasing, uh, not really going down, it's likely to be extended. Um, the second um, exception was, and just let me know that, I think this is, um, this shows that uh, the telemedicine services are not really implemented that much in Germany because um, usually the better way would be a um, telemedicine service to receive that sick leave. But because no one's using it so far, they pick the phone um, as the best exemption. Um, second point is, uh, as a physician, you are only allowed to um, have up to 20% of your patients treating them per telemedicine services. Um, that is number can be 100% now. I'm not sure that this is very relevant, but at least it eases the burden. Um, and there were some restrictions when you could apply telemedicine services um, that were um, lifted, um, for example, for psychotherapy. Um, there were still heavy rules when you were not supposed to see um, your patient. There are more exceptions to that. So we see a lot of movement, um, always temporarily, um, carefully, but the hope is that um, People will see how this works, um, and then the um, restrictions will be lifted for good um, after this pandemic has been fought off successfully. How about Romania, Valentina? Yes, um, so uh, as explained, uh, since and during the state of alert, um, remote medical services um, can be granted uh, under certain terms. Um, in a nutshell, um, th these are um, that family doctors uh, and specialist doctors at outpatient clinics can grant medical consultations remotely uh, for basic services and in the minimum package uh, of medical services by any means of communication within a maximum of eight uh, consultations an hour. Um, the instance consultations will be granted and settled according to the legal regulations in force applicable to medical office consultations as provided in the service packages of primary care and from specialized uh, outpatient care for clinical specialties. Uh, then um, remote consultations can be granted in the outpatient areas of uh, public and private hospitals uh, for, for the issuance of a medical prescription. 
um, a family doctor or a specialist from, from an outpatient unit, um, as I said, has to record the remote medical consultations in the patient's file and in the consultation register. And this record um, must indicate the means of communication, the length of time of the consultation. Uh, the physician will then issue uh, any necessary documents to the patient um, by electronic means. Uh, then the insured person um, will send documents by electronic means to the health insurance house, uh, which we, uh, in turn will uh, use electronic means to transmit the issued documents um, necessary to the insured person. And, and um, very important, uh, the obligation to use the national health card um, is suspended uh, during um, the state of alert. So having now, um, you know, looked at the, the main sort of uh, regulation of telemedicine, how each uh, jurisdiction is looking at it, what, what's prohibited, what's allowed, uh, I'd like to look at a, a sort of related uh, different issue of data. So obviously with telemedicine, there's vast amounts of data being processed digitally. Um, and obviously in the context of digita digitalization, questions come up about data protection requirements and compliance with national regulations. Um, and so maybe uh, let's start with Germany and Rem, to, to, to what extent is telemedicine regulated by data protection regulations in Germany? It's for fully regulated, of course, because as you said, it's all about processing patient personal data and HCP personal data. Um, there is no specific telemedicine data protection regulation in place. Um, so the general GDPR rules apply, meaning that um, every services that is providing telemedicine um, has to comply with GDPR, even if it's established outside of Europe, um, because once it is directed at European patients, German patients, um, GDPR applies. So this extraterritorial effect needs to be taken into account. Um, and then it's really about the general principles, um, which are very important to consider because this is health data. Um, but whenever you set up a service um, for telemedicine, um, it's about analyzing data flows in advance. Uh, very important. Um, who's receiving which data? Um, think about how you can justify that, what you want to do with the data, where you set up the consent or the notices, um, and IT security. So not just a legal topic, but um, having very sound IT secure infrastructure in place that is key to establishing trust and avoiding data breaches. Um, just a quick reference, um, maybe you saw in Finland there was um, a big provider of um, psychotherapy, um, Vastamo, and they had a data breach where patients are being ransomed right now because their medical files were extracted. So this shows you that data protection is at the core of those services. Interesting. And, and GDPR obviously is, is going to be applied in Spain and and in Romania, but are there national or different rules at, at the national level, Maria? And so actually there, as, as this Rem just said, it happens exactly the same thing in Spain. There is no specific uh, Spanish data protection regulation for or covering telemedicine services, but the actually is the uh, personal data process uh, through telemedicine services uh, might be considered as part of the clinical report uh, and clinical report is is defined and is regulated by uh, the Spanish law uh, that um, rules on the patient autonomy and the rights and obligation in terms of clinical information and documentation. Therefore, we have to bear in mind not only the GDPR and the Spanish Data Protection Act, but we will have to be dealing with, with these laws 
regarding the uh, provision of of, uh, of basic patient rights and health professionals and certain uh, centers obligations. Uh, so it will be a conjunction on a combination of all these regulations being applied in this in this uh, subject matter. Furthermore, uh, there are some particularities of the Spanish data protection law that will also apply to the processing of personal data. So, for instance, just give me, I'm, I'm going to give you a couple of examples. So, uh, uh, the manner in which provision of the information of Article uh, uh, 13 of GDPR must be made available in, in Spain is basically in two layers. Two layers. The first layer, uh, layer uh, with the main in information, including data controller purposes of processing or data protection rights, and a second layer, uh, which uh, basically contains the additional information, such as the privacy policy. Another particularity that I would like to just mention here uh, about our regulation is that this regulation provides that data process, uh, processed uh, should be duly blocked after the expiry uh, of the purpose of processing, but uh, it has to be communicated to the national, in case it has to be communicated to national authorities if necessary during the uh, statutory uh, limitations uh, periods. Uh, these particularities should be taken in consideration uh, because the, a claim could be filed uh, by a data subject before the Spanish supervisory authority regarding the processing uh, carried out by the data controller and processors even located outside uh, or in other, I'm sorry, in another uh, European Union country. If uh, the alleged infringement uh, actually uh, affects data subjects which are, are based in, in Spain. So uh, in that case, you have to remind that the Spanish, that the Spanish Data Protection Act will also be applicable. And Valentina? Yeah, thank you, Nick. Um, uh, so in Romania, besides uh, the GDPR and the um, medical confidentiality, uh, the latest amendment to the Healthcare Act of November uh, refers specifically to the requirement to protect uh, patients' personal data in the context of uh, telemedicine. Uh, according to the amendment, um, medical units providing remote medical services uh, must guarantee the confidentiality and uh, the security of information related to the medical condition of patients throughout all of the processes of uh, collecting, processing, using, storing um, uh, their, their personal data, including the sensitive uh, health data. Also, um, I would say that uh, data protection related provisions uh, covering telemedicine uh, result uh, indirectly uh, from the loan uh, on patients' rights that applies in case of medical services provided via telemedicine too. Uh, and I'm referring uh, in particular to the obligation to inform patients uh, about the technical means of data transmission and uh, securing such means of data transmission and to the obligation to obtain patients' free and informed consent. So I think it's fair to say that um, we've got GDPR in place, um, but as GDPR has an opening clause um, for regulating and processing of health data, we see that we've got no real harmonized um, framework for telemedicine data protection rules. It's interesting, I mean, you know, just comparing that to China, um, there are technical guidelines there for, for example, setting up a telemedical information system. There must be at least two network operators um, to ensure, um, you know, network and data security. Uh, and the various laws relating to to cybersecurity and data protection, in, including about 
the jurisdictional aspects and extra jurisdictional aspects about where um, the health app uh, is located in which service. So there are standards in China providing that um, health and um, medical big data should not be stored um, overseas. It should be stored on domestic servers. And if you were wanting to provide you know, that data overseas, you'd have to go through a safety assessment review and certainly population health information must not be stored again on overseas servers. So the location of the, the server of the app or the software is kind of what matters um, in China rather than the, the location of the user to an extent. That's, that's interesting because GDPR has in a way a different approach saying that um, location of the user matters um, and if you have a service for user, um, regardless where you're located, and GDPR applies. Um, that's a one thing is that is France, for example, and we're from France here. There are rules that certain health data can also not leave France as of as of now. Um, so that's a bit similar, maybe to China. Um, but for Europe, this is about to change. So at least in Europe, you should have free flow of data, so you can keep your health data anywhere in Europe, um, at least in the future. Um, but nevertheless, uh, the big difference is that GDPR says if you purpose, if you target European users, it applies um, regardless where you are located as a company. Yeah, it's interesting. So in China, according to the draft guidelines, if the servers are located outside of China, then the Chinese data protection law does not apply, except if uh, the sites are directed to China. So if China's language or Chinese currency is used, or they're actively advertising the app or service to market uh, to, to individuals in China that it would apply, or if the goods indeed are themselves delivered to China. Um, but it's all still draft at this point. Um, another, I mean, interesting question, I think, relates to the distinction between B2B and B2C services. So for China, again, um, it is relevant whether the service is B2B or B2C. Uh, in terms of the procedures uh, required for collecting uh, personal data or sensitive personal data review users. Um, what's the position in um, in, in Germany, um, for example, Rand? Um If you have personal data, GDPR applies. So it always applies in B2C situations, but it also applies in B2B situations uh, once you process personal data of individuals. So if I, as a company, offer a service to healthcare professionals, um, that are actually an entrepreneurs, um, GDPR still applies when I process that healthcare professional individual data. Um, you may have some relaxation when it comes to how you notify um, individuals um, in practice, but the basic rules always apply. Um, one thing that is important in this context is that um, when you talk about instruction manuals um, for medical products, um, you will have some also some relaxation when you have a manual that is supposed to be handled by a healthcare professional. Then um, also the rule applies that you don't need to be um, as exhaustive when explaining um, things to the healthcare professional as when you um, explain something in a manual to a consumer. And Valentina? Um, yeah, with regards to the GDPR, uh, the same applies uh, in Romania as, uh, as in Germany, as Rent uh, mentioned. Um, data protection, data privacy laws apply to both B2B and B2C relations. Uh, 
of course, if the data processing is related to the personal data of um, individuals. Therefore, you know, both scenarios may occur, for instance, in case uh, when using digital health software, um, the material and the territorial scope um, of the GDPR shall apply. So lastly, I'd, I'd like to sort of look to the future. Um, I think over the course of the various episodes of the uh, On the Pulse, um, we've seen in various guises that digitization is advancing steadily. And obviously this year of all years with COVID, it's been rapidly uh, advancing and always bringing challenges um, to, to pretty much all parties involved to some degree and challenging the law as well and how regulation is adept to sort of keep a pace. Um, and I think it, within the area of digitization, obviously one of the most exciting uh, areas with, with huge potential is that of, of digitalization of healthcare. So just to go around each of you again, in terms of what the future has in store for us in, in your jurisdiction. So maybe Maria, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. So basically, as you said, in these last years, uh, there has been a, lot, a number of proposals to try to regulate telemedicine in, and there has been rise by different associations and experts in, in health law. But unfortunately, uh, these proposals have not been taken up by political parties in Spain or, or institutions. So uh, the thing is that during the last year, um, the use of telemedicine services has increased at 150%. Uh, so this has to be an indicator that a future development needs to be carried out and needs to be carried out soon. So just keep on, keep, keep tuned because CMS Spain will be keeping posted on these issues quite soon, I'm sure. <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, in Romania, Valentina? Yeah, um, it is it is clear, you know, that um, telemedicine can improve the health um, and quality of life of citizens and that it benefits both patients uh, and healthcare uh, practitioners. Uh, telemedicine in Romania has a potential to accelerate healthcare reform, which in turn would bring benefits uh, to the Romanian people, 46% um, of whom live in, in rural areas. The recent legislative enactments uh, and the expected legislation from January uh, next year are important signals given by the Romanian Ministry of Health and the National Health Insurance House that they are uh, basically determined uh, to put all their efforts in establishing a functioning um, a framework for, for telemedicine in Romania into the future. And for, for Germany, or from a European perspective, um, I recently saw an article in The Economist where um, they quoted um, a McKinsey advisor who said that a few years ago he was saying to someone, banking and healthcare are the last um, fields that did not really pick up on digitalization. But now um, he said to an HCP, a healthcare professional, you're alone. Um, you're the only one left who hasn't really picked it up yet. And this is changing now um, with COVID-19. I think this is the big accelerator and hopefully and the European Commission finally our union is also picking this up um, the single digital market um, is supposed to be implemented and effectively implemented um, we can only hope that regulations won't be too strict um, and that we really will see a harmonized level playing field because this will create um, business opportunities um, but the second accelerator is due to the COVID-19 pandemic demand for such services that business is picking up by itself and that's always the most helpful thing 
Um, they are testing limits and um, seeing what they can do and what they can offer um, to explore business opportunities. Um, and this is where um, assistance is always needed from a legal perspective to, to guide through these great, gray um, areas um, and help them um, to be successful. Great. Well, that's all we've uh, we've got time for today. So thanks to all, all three of you. Uh, as always, fascinating discussions. And I thought it's interesting actually to see the contrast in approaches there. I think Romania, it seems to me, having a more permissive, um, perhaps more liberal sort of approach. And it seems Germany and Spain at this point a little bit more conservative and cautious. So uh, to find out more about other jurisdictions, do check out the CMS Digital Health Apps and Telemedicine Expert Guide. As I say, it covers uh, multiple jurisdictions. But for now, thanks very much for joining us for this edition of On The Pulse. We hope you found our discussions to be thought-provoking and insightful. If you'd like to discuss any of the topics covered, please do get in touch. To find out more about On The Pulse and CMS's Global Life Sciences and Healthcare Group, visit cms.law. Audio versions of On The Pulse are available through your usual podcast store. Mm -hmm.